Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Real spoilers powered by reviewstl.com. Warning, the following film discussion will ruin the ending of any movie you haven't seen. Example, Bruce Willis is dead at the end of The Sixth Sense. See how I ruined it for you? Just like that. Here are a few more. Spoilers. You've been warned. Broadcasting from the lush but not lavish studios located in the basement of the O'Keefe Institute for Advanced Film Snarkitude, and my timer worked this time. It's Real Spoilers, episode 497, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, man. I'm so excited. Are you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I'm going to be the odd man out. Oh, no. I can honestly say this is the uh, best movie I've ever seen that I didn't like. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. That should be the tagline for the movie. Yeah, I'm sure that's what they want to put on the poster. Yeah, I don't (laughs) think so. Here's what somebody you've never heard of (laughs) has to say... Poorly about the thing. no, but what they would do is what they do with all clip pulls. They this, would take off the last few words. Right. <laughs> the best movie I've ever seen. Right. <laughs> dot dot dot. Yeah. <laughs> they don't even put the dots in anymore. <laughs> That's a small price to pay to end up with my on name a Tarantino on a, poster. On a Tarantino poster, yeah, absolutely. Because I love Tarantino, but this movie just did not do it for me. Oh. So I guess before we dig in, let's go around the table and everyone can introduce themselves. This is Paul. This is Joe. This is Kevin. And this is Tom. I'm just letting Paul introduce. I'm not even treating him as a he's guest. A gr- he's, he's a green jacket. Club. He's been on here yeah. enough. Yeah. So. Uh, so before we dig in real quick, uh, shameless plugs, don't forget we're available on Apple Podcasts where you can go rate, review, subscribe. Check us out on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash real spoilers. While you're there, you can also join the group so you can uh, have chats about films and tell me why I'm an idiot for not liking this. <laughs> and uh, you can also check us out on Patreon because after hearing how much I hate this, you'll <laughs> want to give us money so they can move this to a different location. <laughs> and uh, it, that's patreon.com slash real spoilers. So. There, all of that is out of the way. Uh, let's tackle Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So this movie uh, ticks all my boxes. Like, it's 60s Hollywood, which I love. Yeah, it looks great. It's the Manson family, which is an amazing story. Yeah. And not a good way, but, but I mean, it's just like... it's a But it's a fascinating story. Absolutely. If he had told it. Okay. <laughs> but the movie isn't about that. It's not. And that's but, why he... But, and I didn't realize what he was doing until the end. 
And I was like, oh, it's a fairy tale. Yeah. It's yeah. absolutely a fairy and tale. And I had a feeling that's where we were heading about a third of the way into the movie. Oh, really? And I was just like, I don't think. I'm like, he's just not giving us enough Manson for this to be the Manson story. Which is. And like, and like I think obviously this guy didn't really live next door because he's not a real person. Right. And so I'm just like, like these stories, it's not like, how does, how do the narratives intertwine in in a way that would be satisfying if it's just oh and then the last scene this awful thing happened next door thank you good night like, so but if you went in thinking it was going to be that then that's your fault <laughs> you you shouldn't you shouldn't have made that presumption that that's what Tarantino was doing oh it's a movie about Charles Manson well I didn't he think didn't it was s- a movie about Charles Manson but I also didn't think it was a movie that was going to completely erase what happened but that i think that's the brilliance of it that's I, 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 but i also feel like i've seen this you've done this before in and it were in glorious in glorious bastard but not okay. in the same but in he, he killed still, hitler but he's still but he's <laughs> still and he killed hitler in the same effing way but they smashed his face in. yeah but like that, we've seen this but that's the thing though see in that one he just had hitler die a different way but in the end hitler dies this completely rewrites history no and, that completely rewrote history because we know hitler's dead well, you you soldiers killed Hitler. It will be a known thing. They will be heroes. It was the it was the heroic was a, action of of the, the, US the Allied powers finally killing Hitler, rather than him it, dying in like a shelter, the, or rather than him maybe or maybe dying somewhere. You know, right. I mean, I think only conspiracy theorists think, think he he's still alive. Think he didn't die, <laughs> but but still, you didn't have that the satisfaction of the good guys killing Hitler. So I feel like that was a complete rewrite. I can, I can, I can see that. And I, I just felt like, and I, and I enjoyed it in that setting. Sure. Because I can't, I can't believe you just nodded to conspiracy theorists who might believe <laughs> that Adolf Hitler didn't die in the bunker. Yeah. Just like Jesus. That's like, Jesus didn't. like, that's like two guys. <laughs> but we should, I, I think if there's anything the current history has taught us <laughs> when it comes to conspiracy theorists, it's sadly more than two guys. If, there, yeah. if we had Twitter in 1945, this would be the number one trending topic. <laughs> it would. It, it absolutely would. Yeah. But we should say that this is a movie that deserves the spoiler warning. So yeah, that's, yeah. as you know, we spoil these movies, but this one, especially the ending, hinges on you not knowing yeah. the spoilerificness it's, of it. It's also, yes, so this be prepared. If, yeah. you, if you know the Manson case, you know what happened. But the, I think the thing is, is that I... I don't think you should even go into this movie knowing there's a twist or a spoiler. See, because even knowing that, then you look for it. Right. Like, yeah. I know this is a little late, but don't if go watch this movie before you even think about listening to any of this. Yeah, I agree. Know, that you can going forward. Because I think it, Tarantino's enough of a brand at this point where I, I don't think very many people would listen to this before seeing yeah. the movie. Totally. Yeah. But just you know, for the like if had, Hobbs and Shaw yeah. had done this, <laughs> some people aren't Tarantino people. Right. And so like, well, then they're wrong. Okay. Well, if, if you're not a Tarantino guy, I don't think this movie's going to be your thing. No. This mo- this this movie is not I mean, one, it's quintessential Tarantino and in my opinion, it's substandard quintessential Tarantino and I think I think that it like it this is not the movie that's going to make somebody a Tarantino fan. If you're not already on board, this movie ain't going to do it for you. But if you don't like Tarantino stuff, this isn't the Tarantino brand. Of, that you come to expect, so I would argue that this would be one you'd enjoy. I think this is exactly. Oh, the I think Tarantino this is on. Brand. I think this is on brand. I don't. I think. I mean, most tough macho guys, pop culture rammed down your throat. Cool this soundtrack. Is, this is just. I mean, this, this is, is Jackie Brown. I don't yeah. know. I think this is. I think this is one of the least quote unquote Tarantino movies he's ever made. Whoa, I think. I don't know about I that. I think this. Uh. I think. 
I, it's just not there's not as much uh vulgarity there's not as much of the hyper violence it's a very slow moving you know uh, character development from a pacing standpoint but it, i would agree but other than that it's all the all the it's Tarantino all there, elements yeah. are there. If you were to, if you were to show me this after, if you were to say if I were you know if I did not know who directed this, and you said hey just watch this movie, go in blind. I would absolutely know this is a Tarantino movie. Okay. I think yeah. I mean is it on is it on the violence level of Kill Bill or Django? No, but but stylistically it looks exactly the same. And I and, and that's interesting because it is a different editor. Like his editor uh, passed away after it was hateful eight. No, no was, the, was the, the first one with the new editor was Django. Okay, okay, and so, but like his movies since Django have all looked the same. We are the movie opens up, and with, I think this movie really misses that editor. Uh, I, I would have taken another hour of this movie easily. I would have taken get, another hour of mo- of this movie when they weren't driving their goddamn car. I loved it. It was forty <laughs> minutes of them driving the effing you know, car. You know, you, the brown bunny. What the? F- <laughs> usually, I agree with you about driving cars. I can't stand when we have to have. A minute and a half of a character, usually in California with their arms sure, on the side sure, of their yeah. convertible, <laughs> driving wherever it is. However, this was so beautifully designed that it, when he's driving down Sunset Boulevard and you see the storefronts and the restaurants, yeah. and especially the movie marquees, right. I, I, he would drive past. It's like, I don't remember the night they raided Minsky's came out in 1969. I mean, one right after the other. Yeah. They, I mean, it was beautiful. And, it but established I, I the just, era. It established it yeah. and established it and established it, and then it established it some more. I couldn't get like, it. I, was, I agree. So, like, I think if they had been just been driving and there wasn't something going on inside the car. I would agree with you, but it, but there there was well, no, so you, you much get the, of just you get the, him you driving. Get the, but you get the scene with him and the girl in the car, which I thought was an amazing. Yeah, like that's fine. Him I don't, him I don't mind DiCaprio that in the car. I don't like, mind that a that a scene with dialogue takes place in the car. Yeah, but there was large chunks of the movie where it was literally just them driving around listening to the radio. That's in Kill but, Bill. But he does that in Kill Bill too, though. But you're seeing well. 1969 Hollywood. This is the era that Tarantino grew up in, oh, and this is his love letter to yeah. to 60s Hollywood. Okay. And, and so it's just I think <laughs> by seeing it all, I mean great. we don't we don't get to see this all the time though. Like yeah. we're taken back to an era. I, I mean it, it looked it looked great. I just think there's other ways to convey it than just than just 30 minute establishing so what, shots. What, how it. did you feel about her walking down the street? Like did you, was that a was it on the same level as him driving? Yeah. Like when I, you see when you see Margot Robbie kind of walking down the street, like through storefronts and theaters and stuff like that. Like, do you think that was on the same level? As, I mean, I I guess because they didn't keep going back to it, it didn't uh-huh. irritate me in quite the same way. But I mean, it was. But yeah, I mean, there was just there's a lot much, of driving. There's I, a yes, lot of driving. That's true. A that lot true. of driving. And let me also add, if you're bored at any point. By Margot Robbie doing anything? <laughs> <laughs> Don't go to movie theaters. This movie's not for you. <laughs> uh, but I think they ex- they expanded her part. They gave her. I think that they went back and gave her more to do because. There wasn't a lot for her to do. I don't think so. But uh, see, this is where I get frustrated when I hear that there's like an entire subplot or at least scenes with with like a, a young Burt Reynolds, and I'm like, and I don't get that, so that you can drive around. Oh, see, I thought that Rick Dalton was based off Burt Reynolds. Yeah, I think it's both. But there's they supposedly filmed something with uh, an actor playing Burt Reynolds. Oh, really? really? Yeah, and so because this would have been Burt like Burt Reynolds is working in television, trying to break into movies. Yeah. in this ear in this okay. in this time okay. frame. So he's not a, you know he was on a, a TV sh- a western, right. Trying to become a movie actor. So he was kind of like the young version 
of of Rick what Dalton. Rick Dalton's doing. And the yeah. relationship between Rick Dalton and Cliff, the Brad Pitt character in this, is totally based on Burt Reynolds and, and Hal Needham. And Hal Needham, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be okay. an amalgamation of Hal Needham and some other stuntmen, but that is one of them. I don't think that they were supposed to have Burt Reynolds in this because Burt Reynolds was supposed to play the Bruce Dern character before he died, so I don't think they would have had Burt Reynolds in a movie with Burt Reynolds. I think that's are too... You say, are you saying there was supposed to be an actor like, uh, who's the guy from Homeland? That's what he's saying, yeah. Is there was supposed to be somebody yeah. else Damon playing? Damon Lewis a, or Damon. whatever. And I got to tell you. He looks just like Steve McQueen. There was a creepy moment where when he's sitting, like, you don't see him from the, he, you see him kind of in the shadows. His hair is kind of long. I, I am shocked at how much he looked like. Steve, Unbelievable. Steve McQueen. The and, casting in this movie. And is. spoke like and acted yeah. like. Yeah. I've never seen a Steve McQueen impression <laughs> in my entire life. This one, I was stunned that yeah. it wasn't actually Steve McQueen. I said, how did they do that? Yeah. That's the best deep fake I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. But but Burt Reynolds was cast, like literally was cast and agreed to do this movie as George Spawn. Okay. And then he passed away and was recast with Bruce Dern. So I think maybe he, he cast James Marsden to play Burt Reynolds. Oh, I can absolutely yeah. see that. And it was filmed and they cut it. Uh, it's it's the the headline from Vanity Fair. Quentin Tarantino tapped James Marsden to play Burt Reynolds in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Well, no, but Marsden they... doesn't appear in the final film What Happened. Yeah. So, Oh, don't huh. worry. That four-hour Netflix cut. Yeah, I wonder if be maybe because one. Burt Reynolds passed away, maybe he... I don't, I don't know why he would do that. That's interesting. I never even heard that casting. Here's yeah. another interesting thing. In the final credits, there's, there's a, cre- a lot of names. There's a credit for Tim Roth, yeah. and next to his name it says Cut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't remember seeing that for James Marsden, and I'd right. never seen any actor get that credit on screen. Yeah. You don't appear in the movie. Like, yeah. like when you yeah. saw The Big Chill, there was no Kevin Costner. Cut. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah true. that was, I mean, yeah, uh, apparently uh, that's one of the things that if they do the extended version, like that was filmed actually. Yeah. I'm guessing the Reynolds stuff didn't get filmed, but the Tim Roth stuff was filmed, and so he had to cut it for this release uh, because it was just already three hours. But if there's a four-hour cut out there, I'm sure that's in there. And there was some more Charlie Margot Hansen. Robbie oh. in in a pool or something. I, I did. I just read some articles about what he talked about. He had to cut. And so there was supposed to be some more of her doing something toward the end of the movie. It's, but according to this, it sounds like it was filmed. It just was cut. Hmm. Oh, maybe Tim Roth is in the Burt Reynolds. Yeah, thing maybe, yeah. maybe. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. So, yeah. So this movie opens up with uh, basically just an old timey uh, NBC ad with uh, DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. And they kind of talking about Bounty Law, which is this Western that they're on. Uh, Rick Dalton is the star Rick played Dalton by DiCaprio. And, and Cliff Booth mm-hmm. is Brad Pitt. From 1959. And I mm-hmm. got to tell you, Brad Pitt almost steals this movie away from DiCaprio. I think he does. Uh, it's yeah. and, and as great as DiCaprio is, Brad Pitt, it's just like, oh, yeah, that's Brad it's Pitt. It's close. They're almost co-leads. Man, I mean, yeah. You know what I mean? Like He not is great. Lead in supporting. Like it's. But it, when it comes to the Oscars, Brad Pitt will win the Oscar for best, best supporting best actor. Supporting actor. Right. For that's sure. where I'll have the chance. But. I think they're both magnificent, but I agree. It's very close between, like, who is the star of this Man, movie? He, it, the story in Tarantino said, this is a Rick Dalton story. Yes. DiCaprio is the lead. The story is about him. Cliff is there supporting him. But the way that he Brad Pitt is so magnetic, I don't remember a time where Brad Pitt has been this good in, in a long Bastards. time. Yeah, but it's a different kind. I mean, it he's great a- in Inglorious Bastards, but it's not as deep as this role. Yeah, like, this I is agree. him acting. Act, I mean, yeah, and Glorious Bastards. I mean, he plays a cartoon. It's character. a fun, funny. Yeah, I mean, he it, plays it well, yeah. but it's that's, there's a difference between being cool right. and funny, and this is like Oscar worthy oh, acting e- easily. And so I don't remember a time. It's been a long time since Brad Pitt has done this. Yeah, 
And I mean, it it reminds you why he's a movie star. I did get that trailer for Ad Astra as well, and I was like, I, we, it's funny we talked about. I remember when like Gravity came out, which was like we're gonna see this rush of space movies, and we're here we are what three years later, and we're still getting them. <laughs> like, yeah, we still coming out, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they do a little interview. They explain who they are to each, to the to the viewer basically, and just there's something about the way this is shot that I thought was brilliant. Like it's it the way it's edited. Is it's shot from both sides, but you never see the camera on either side of them. Like it was just a really quick and smart. I liked it a lot. I really like how, and they do that later when they show you how a scene is filmed. Yeah. Well, What's really re- interesting is they show you the film as it's being filmed as, as opposed to being broadcast. Like they show you like you're watching a filmed finished piece, but they never show you like a camera watching a camera filming someone right. else. And I think that's really interesting because we've seen so many of these type of shots in film over the years. And Tarantino does something completely different where like, you know, you're watching behind the scenes, like from people that are there watching this being filmed, but there's no camera guy. Right. And it's just, it's just a really interesting, unique thing. And I liked it worked well when you're telling the story, which is supposed to be about these actors and stuntmen and, and the making of film, Right. right? You're supposed to be there and you're not at home, in the audience you're there with them right. but you don't you're not taken out by the camera crew. exactly yeah. exactly so we, we cut forward to let me uh, just say one more thing about yeah. that black and white piece at the beginning of the, where they're being interviewed by a guy it would be the equivalent of today entertainment tonight doing a we're, we were on the set with these two guys and we essentially asked them one question <laughs> each and that's our whole and thanks for joining <laughs> us join us yeah. Yeah, that, right. that's the whole thing <laughs> it was that superficial right and that's how they actually used to do the little film clips in the late 50s and early 60s that were shown in movie theaters instead of trailers. Mm. Oh, okay. Not, okay. not just on TV. That What you saw there was not a TV clip. That a was movie a clip? movie clip to promote a TV show. Oh, interesting. Okay. And that's a great way to establish characters, you know, and I yeah. talk about one of my pet peeves is lazy exposition and feeding, spoon feeding the audience information to learn who these actors are, actor and a stuntman and these characters through a television interview that would have happened at the time, that is smart writing. Yeah. That is how you introduce the, your characters and establish this world and Hollywood and the time period without, you know, having to really take time to shove it down. Oh yeah, you know, oh I've got to go to the movie set because <laughs> I am employed by the you know what I mean? Like it's it's clever the way he does it. Movie right. set? What do you do on the movie set? Well I'm starring in a yeah. western. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Or at the front gate telling the security guard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I really love how you just you're off to the races and then the, the title credits play and you see Brad Pitt driving Leo around and to this bar and, and we eventually figure out why that is. Yeah. Voice over by Kurt Russell. Yeah. Uh so yeah basically the DiCaprio no lost his driver's license from too many DUIs and they took it so uh, Cliff Brad Pitt is basically his gopher at this point so they go to this uh, meeting it's Al Pacino took, you had to get a lot of DUIs in the 60s you ain't kidding brother no driver's <laughs> or you had to kill somebody yeah. <laughs> uh, so he has a meeting with uh, Al Pacino who I gotta tell you I don't know if he was wearing makeup but he, he looked young he I mean oh I was going the opposite oh I thought I, I mean, Al Pacino's getting up there. I guess, like, we'll, I find, looked, I guess we'll find out how he looks in Kill in the Irishman. Well, well, they, when the face they, apps, I guess they yeah. de-age him. Yeah. yeah, I thought Al Pacino looked very like he's looking older. If you see him behind the scenes type of stuff, 
I thought he was on. He was. He's great. Uh, he oh, was great. I, I, I disagree. I thought really? he was. He was the one person in this movie who was horribly miscast. Oh, oh interesting. Yeah, I, we, I we, need some, we, need some, we need somebody to play an old, old Jewish, Jewish guy. Right. <laughs> agent. Who can we get? Oh, how about Al Pacino? <laughs> it's like in the movie The Comedian, where the Jewish comedian is played by Danny DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> really? You couldn't find anybody else who no. would fit it a little bit better. Plus, I thought Pacino's over-the-top style that he's done for I don't know twenty years ever since Scent of a Woman. Since of a Woman. Every yeah. single scene he's chewing the scenery was not necessary for this oh, character. Okay. Interesting. It's such a minor yeah. role. It's really not that important to the story. But I just thought he looked youthful because when you see Pacino, and it's I mean, it's not not trying to bag on the guy. He's just he's been around for a long time, and I'm like, wow, he's actually he's got the energy. I thought I thought he. I was okay with the scenery chewing just because, like, I feel like this type of character would be a really big personality. You know what I mean? Like I like I, I could see that. Yeah. Like I felt like they they would be like a Swifty Lazar. Yeah, just really like big. That's why I felt right too. he's an agent. He's like, yeah. you know, this is how, you know, I'm a rich agent. But he's also kind of a bottom feeding agent. Yeah. Yes. You know, yeah. so he's got to he's got a guy. Yeah. yeah, but that's how much he overplays it. I agree yeah. with you. That would be a guy who was really upbeat and loud. Right. But Pacino overdoes that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so we basically and it's interesting. It's it's a it's an idea in Hollywood that I never even thought about where Rick Dalton is an established badass hero on this show called Bounty Law. Uh, he he inadvertently gets well, he bounty. was 10 years earlier. Well, right. He That's... inadvertently gets Bounty Law canceled because he wanted to try his hand at act in, in, Hollywood, movies. in movies. So now... That, that's something that you probably have to explain to to the kids. I guess that's true. That there yeah. used to be this divide between movies and TV, movies and TV, and that like the real f- actors, the real right. f- celebrity was in movies, and TV was lesser than. Yeah, you know. So they, uh, he basically says, and I never even thought that this would, but it makes complete sense. Where Rick Dalton failed in Hollywood, kind of, never really found his footing. Most of them did, right? Most yeah. TV actors could not make the jump to the to the big screen right that was that was clint eastwood like, i'm thinking like the guys back then who probably did make that jump in eastwood steve mcqueen steve mcqueen eastwood burt reynolds burt reynolds mm-hmm. uh who oh, that's all i can really think of um there weren't a ton yeah so and, and then basically pacino Bruce says Dern was actually on i think lancer Oh really? I think so. Bruce Dern was actually in one of those shows that they show the fake That's flashback footage to, or whatever the recreated. No, they're footage. doing Lancer. Well, whatever the you know putting them in older stuff. Right, right, right. Bruce Dern. I think it was Lancer. That's funny that I saw a little like Easter egg that Bruce Dern was actually in it. And okay. So it's kind of funny that he shows up later. In the, That's pretty good. Yeah. So yeah, so he lays it out. He was like, "Look, you used to be the you were the badass. You were the you were the top dog, and now these other shows." Are going, you're always the bad guy, right? And he's like, yeah, I'm always the bad guy. He's like, and you always lose at the end, right? He's like, well, yeah, I'm the bad guy. He's like, right. But they're using you to make their star look better. So like when the main actor of Lancer knocks you out. James Stacy. James Stacy knocks you out. Like that builds his cred and your star starts to fall. And DiCaprio is just like, crap. Uh, he's like, but I got a guy in Rome. Like if you want to come with us, like, you can do these uh, spaghetti westerns, which is basically what they were. Uh, which some of them are amazingly bad, and some of them are amazingly good. Like right. you know, and they were given free reign. So if you were a good director, <laughs> you were going to make an amazing movie. That's exactly and if right. You were not a good director. You were going to make a not amazing. Going to make a very. I amazing want movie. those posters. 
Yeah. Like the those, fake the, ones yes. that they made for him. Yeah. Yes. I want those bad. And there's no secret that Tarantino's a huge fan of spaghetti westerns but and Kill the Bill Italian Volume cinema. And, and so this movie title is based on two Sergio Leone films, yeah. Once Upon a Time in America uh-huh. and Once Upon a Time in the West. Was Once Upon a Time in the West. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they, he, uh, you know, he has a breakdown. He's just like, and it's interesting that they, I don't know if the stutter was a DiCaprio choice. Yeah. I was confused. To, give him, to give him a stutter, but. I was confused by this because when he's talking at first, I didn't really hear it. And then when he's talking to Pacino, he really has it. When and he then, gets anxious, he, it yeah, comes okay, out. Okay, it comes out, yeah, yeah, because that's what I was trying to follow because I'm like, well, wait a minute, he didn't have a stutter, and now he clearly does, and then he loses it for the rest of the movie for the most part. And then No, it, it he, comes back. He, uses, he loses it when he's doing scenes, yeah. but when he's, he's off set, yeah. he has it. He's back. Mel Tillis. Do you know who he was? No. Yeah. Mel Tillis was a country singer who sang beautifully, and he would like go on the Carson show or the Mike Douglas yeah. show or whatever it was and sit down and he had this horrible stutter. Oh, yeah. okay. and, and the first time he did it, everybody was like, oh, he's making fun of people who stutter. Why is he doing that? People weren't, <laughs> people weren't quite that woke. Yet. Right. Yeah. So, you know, they were tweeting how horrible this right. was. But he actually had a horrible stutter okay. yeah. except when he performed. Well, that's, that's why I didn't get because he didn't have it in the scenes. And so right, I'm like, well, it, how could you be an actor? if Because you're... a lot of the way stutters work for a lot of people is that if you give them lines to say and you put them on stage, the stutter goes away. Yeah. Like I, when they I have was, to think of... It, yeah, it was like when I was, I, when I was in high school, there was a kid with a horrible stutter that tried out for the plays, and we were like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, but you gave him lines, he was fine. You try to talk to him, and he would get stuck. Huh. And so it, you know, so it's it's okay. a, that's a that's a very real thing. It's the opposite of Al Pacino in real life. Al Pacino's quiet, right, <laughs> reserved. Yes. Yes. Yeah, right, right. So talks like a human being. Right. <laughs> All right, he has a little bit of a breakdown, and of course, Cliff is and there has and, a Yiddish accent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cliff, Cliff is right there with him and kind of keeps him in check. I do like where he's like, "Put your glasses on. Don't cry in front of the Mexicans." Yeah. <laughs> and it's in so obviously in past movies with Tarantino, he has. I hesitate to say the word embraced the N word, but it has been. No, I think it's fair to say like, and and he does not do that in this one. And I think he can't anymore. I think, I think think you can get away with that in Django given the times, you know, the, the period piece of what that is. I think you get away with it there, but I don't think you're telling a different story when, when he's, when he says, when it comes out of his mouth in Pulp Fiction, even when I saw that, I was like, even at well, the yeah. time, it was like, whoa, <laughs> go <laughs> rewatch 48 hours. Oh, it's so interesting you should say that. <laughs> so I just listened to a podcast uh, with Chris Jericho and Dave Batista, and how they were talking about movies like that. And First he, off, of course you did. Of course, yes. Go you. Yes. Go on. Uh, but they were talking about Stuber and how Stuber was, they wanted to do like a 48 hours, mm-hmm. and so the director of Stuber was like, go watch 48 hours. And Dave was just, Batista was like, I went everywhere. And you can't find it. It's on streaming. Just go. Well, right. but like either way, like it was. I checked Redbox. It wasn't there. So <laughs> nobody, nobody could possibly. Could nobody it. could find it. But like it, you can, he said you can't see that on TV anymore. Gotcha. Like a movie like 48 Hours, you will never see on TV yeah. ever because Nick Nolte is a alcoholic racist yeah. and uses that word a lot. Yeah. But there's plenty of like, you know, the, the damn hippies and which I got a kick out of because, yeah, damn hippies. Well, I mean, it's it's definitely a kind of a, a think piece on, I think, Tarantino trying to wrestle with his place in pop culture, right? Like Interesting. You have, you have these two aging celebrities or aging celebrity and his 
stuntman. Right. And they, they, they came up in a different time. Sure. And the world is changing drastically around them. And they're at this moment in time where both worlds coexist. It's, it is, it, you know, it, that time in the 60s is a very interesting time because, because you, you have the, the, you know, the, the World War II vets, the and, burgeoning of the new filmmakers yep. starting up. You have, the graduate and you have easy rider and you, you rosemary's know, you, baby you have rosemary's babies you have these movies getting made right. side by side with dr doolittle and <laughs> sound of music and right. you know the searchers these, maybe the uh, searchers would a have little been bit earlier earlier but but uh but so you have you know and that's in the and then especially in television yeah television was really still you know, I mean, westerns had died out, but only because space stuff and Batman, like but, Batman, yeah. But you, you know, in '69, yeah, yeah, like the monkeys would have just ended. Like you still would have had, you know, you, that wouldn't have been that far removed from Gidget Bewitched is still on television. I Dream of Genie. Like you have all these really high concept, right? Cheesy television shows. Yeah, TV's version of the hip teenager was uh, Goldie Hawn on Laughing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true, and that's and very that true. was yeah. edgy television. I mean, really, the only kind of representation of like the hippie movement you probably would have had on television at this point was going been, on would have been what laughing and smothers brothers right yeah, like that Smol- would well smothers brothers really yeah I, I mean and you wouldn't have seen a character from that generation portraying a real person until mike stivick rob reiner in all in the family yeah and when you would see like a hippie type it would be on dragnet and they'd be getting arrested <laughs> right sure. you know what i mean like it was <laughs> yeah. it was tv was still very reactionary and, and the music was so wrong yeah i mean that's part of why the monkeys music worked right is because it was actually hit good songs rock and right. roll right like it's you know even though it was manufactured they hired the right people to manufacture surprised they didn't try to use a beach boy song they, in this movie yeah they I, yeah i don't know i well I, that was such a different thing but i'm just uh, saying like i know he did try a, to use, get a monkey song. Oh, he did. He wanted to use a song called "Teardrop City," which is kind of like uh, "Last Night at Clarksville" played sideways. Um, and they said no. I don't know why he couldn't get it. I I just saw the headline and I forgot to go look at the article. Man, later. If I was an artist and Tarantino's like, I want to put your song on my yeah. movie. It's interesting. Like I was thinking about this. There are, I think he between him and James Gunn, those are the kind of like the two guys that can take music and make it work. Yeah, in their they, movies. they both and really know how to incorporate to, it. To repurpose existing songs and not popular songs, the quasi popular songs. Qu- yeah, like for the most part, they're known songs, but they're but they're not the obvious choices. Right, right. Yeah. So yeah, so they they kind of driving home, and uh, where we see the Manson girls for the first time, Harley Quinn Smith is in there as well, uh, which I thought was interesting. They're very the way he plays it. It's like we know who they are. And it's interesting, like, there's a whole generation that I don't think knows who they are. Sure. You yeah. know, like, th- that doesn't understand that how how terrifying... This movie definitely relies on you y- yes. coming into the movie knowing things. Knowing things, exactly. And, and, I, don't mean, and, and I don't mean that as an insult. Like, no. I don't think you have yeah. to, but yeah. I think that it plays on two different levels. Katie yeah. didn't know anything about it, and she loved this movie. Yeah. And she's also not a Tarantino fan, and she absolutely loved it, knew nothing about the backstory. She thought she this was all... She didn't know anything about the Manson murders? No. She thought this was all fictional, and I explained to her, this really happened except blah, 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 except blah. something happens and in the end she, that But she thought it was fascinating, so she loved it knowing nothing about it. So I don't think it relies on it, but it does give you two separate viewing experiences. Yeah, that's probably true. You mean there really was a TV show called Hullabaloo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yes, honey, there was. Yeah, so you can go into this completely blind and, and love it just for what it is like Tarantino sucks you in with these characters and this world that he's built which is based on reality but also 
he it's so immersive the way that he recreates hollywood the way he recreates buildings and and all these tv shows that he's recreating like he does such a good job of establishing this world that it doesn't matter if you know it existed or some of these things were real or not he's created this thing that you just believe sure is a thing whether it's his own creation or not you don't ever go like oh that's a set it's so real it was interesting there's a scene where we see a superimposed leo dicaprio uh, into the great escape which, which is perfect which was fine but i found it interesting that they didn't superimpose sh- uh margot robbie into the sharon he tate did that stuff. for a reason oh is that right yeah he wanted to make sure that sharon tate was on screen. yeah he wanted to pay tribute there's a scene where she's watching herself in a movie uh-huh. and it is really sharon tate and he wanted to give her that moment he wanted he didn't want to take away from sharon tate he obviously has a love for this actor that you know was taken far too do you, soon do you think she i'm asking you to this because you would probably know do you think that she is on the level of river phoenix where like if she had survived no she I, would have been a megastar I, this is a woman who was in Valley of the Dolls yeah. and a Matt Helm, Dean Martin movie, the last of that series called The Wrecking Crew. Right. She was fine, but she wasn't somebody who was going to go on to amaze people on screen. I'm just I, in, in my mind that if the, if River Phoenix is, doesn't die, he's DiCaprio. River yeah. Phoenix was incredible. He, yeah. he would he have DiCaprio's the, career. I, I agree, but the only asterisk I would put on that is that we don't know what Polanski would have put her in that might have given us a different take on on her. Maybe. She just didn't appear to have that it factor, though, right off the cuff. But she's not going to get the Faye Dunaway role in Chinatown. No. Oh, I see what you're saying. That's fair. Yeah. Tarantino doesn't just do things. No, you know, totally, Tar- totally. Tarantino has a reason. He, you know, it's it's his way of the highway. You don't give him notes. You don't give him changes. You read the lines that he puts in the script. Tarantino has a vision and an idea, and no one messes with it. Well, that. wasn't that whole DiCaprio scene in Django ad-libbed? That whole scene where he smashes the well, skull, I think, I, is... I think maybe with someone like DiCaprio, he'll give him a little bit of a, a take. You know, even maybe he'll, after... He'll they let keep him rolling. Do, he'll let him yes. do it his way. But, but like, you it, film what he has <laughs> yeah. set, and then if you do a little extra because the film's still rolling, do something, okay. And Tarantino might even go, I love this, just show me this. You know, like, right. you know, but that's what a, a good director sure, does. Sure. But what I mean is, though, if if it's on the screen, Tarantino wanted it. Right, right, right. He right. doesn't mess around with, you know, it's his way of the highway. But, but speaking of Margot Robbie, how wonderful is she just reacting to the people around her reacting to the oh, movie? She's she, great. It's funny, like, when you look at her career, where it's just like, okay, she's the eye candy in Wolf of Wall Street. Fine. And a, lo- a lot of actors have begun their careers as the eye candy. Yeah. Jessica, right. Jessica Lang. Brad Pitt. Totally. Yeah. I mean, Brad Pitt and Thelma and Louise. Thelma and Louise, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's not just, I mean, it it happens to women more than it happens to men. And by the way, he's still eye just, candy. When he takes his oh shirt God. off, <laughs> three women around yeah. me made this sound. <laughs> yeah. But Jason Momoa was on Baywatch. Now yeah. he's an A-list megastar. People... Yeah, but, but she, uh, to me, she is on a different level. Like, she is still major league beautiful, but she also has that. She's a, she's a really good actor. Yes. Oh, yeah. She's well, really Brad good. Pitt does too. I just, know, but I, mean, yeah. Yeah, but I haven't gotten to Brad Pitt yet. But, I mean, Brad Pitt is established. Margot right, Robbie, yeah. I, I mean, is still fairly. Early, early in her, in her career. career. 29. Yeah. Tanya? Yeah. Oh, she's absolutely. She's only 29. Yeah. She's a, I mean, yeah. and she's got, she's a heavy hitter in Hollywood. Like, she's no, like, I think she has, like, a, a first look deal with Warner Brothers 
Uh, and she's gonna. I think she's gonna be their linchpin in the DC. Whatever is gonna yeah. come out of that, she's gonna be the one of the. She's really good for sure. But I, I think the point is, if you go back and watch movies, and now if you go back to watch movies from ten, twenty, thirty years ago, you start seeing people. Oh my god, they were in this because everyone starts somewhere. Right. You don't just start out as Meryl Streep, like where Meryl Streep is now. <laughs> right. You know right, what I mean? Right, like right. it's just people. They start out in these little roles, and then someone goes, "There's something here. This person's amazing." And then they put them in their, right. yeah. you know star-making roles. Meryl so. Streep played Woody Allen's ex-wife in, I think it was Manhattan. And, yeah. And you see her on the street and you say, oh, she's beautiful. Yeah. Now let's get back to the Woody story. Yeah. <laughs> no, nobody went, oh my God, find out who that actress is. Right. <laughs> That's the first time when I watched Manhattan and I saw Meryl Streep and I didn't know what she looked like when she was younger. And I'm like, wow, she was gorgeous. And I just, you know, not that she's unattractive now, but yeah. I hadn't seen her at 19 and it's like, wow. But yeah, she was in that little role. And, and so everyone starts somewhere. And, uh, but Margot Robbie has proven herself certainly. Yeah. And she, there was at, at con, there was a little, uh, panel i guess a panel with the cast and someone had asked why didn't you give margot robbie very many lines um and tarantino just kind of dismissed that because you know he does what he does for a reason but then margot robbie was like she didn't to understand this character you didn't need to have that much spoken you take in her experience with the people and the reactions the scene the scene that got me with her is the scene where charlie walks up to the house because the house that they stay in was used to be one of the Beach Boys' house and that's Charlie had a connection with Brian Wilson. Yeah, it was Dennis Wilson's house. I Is think. that what it was? I think so, yeah. Um, but there's just the way that she's... St- you can see her innocence. She doesn't say a yeah. goddamn word. Yeah. She's standing in the doorway looking at Charlie Manson and I mean, we know we know what's going that to happen. Intense. That was an intense like, and scene. I, th- I think it's uh, also kind of shows how little someone knows about acting if you think the only way to act is with is by talking. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know exactly. I mean? It's about screen time. If she was in the movie for three minutes, which is what I was expecting after that story. That's what I thought. Right. And, and I was I, w- I was like, well, that's an odd choice. Like I, I mean, thought it was, was like a stunt casting. Type I was. Thing. Yeah, yeah, I was reserving judgment until I saw the film. But I would I thought, well, that's an odd choice. But watching her watch the movie and yep. realizing, OK, she's never going to get a lot of lines in this movie. That's not what this role is. Yeah. But to watch that thing, that scene. And think that she's not acting. Oh, for sure. Is is it's ins- also is I, insulting. Well, I, do can, you know, I can see where people would think that she was going to be fodder. Look, here's the deal. Sherman Tate, Vortech, and Abigail Folger, and Jay Sebring are dead. Like, the Manson family murdered them. Yeah. So I could see where if you go into this movie, knowing that history, you're like, okay, she's just fodder. Like, this whole cast, is they're not going to last long because they're going to be gutted and murdered and thrown all over this house. There's a sense of foreboding in every scene she's it's in. It's very Hitchcock mm-hmm. where you know that history, you know that story, you know what's coming and, and they and they play it and the that's entire why I think, time. And I think that's why this movie's brilliant I agree. because you watch every scene knowing that but you didn't know. When they you when, they, you when they get to the end and they start building and building yeah. and building and I was like, oh god. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And they make you care about, they yeah. don't really make you care about Emile Hirsch who plays J.C. Bringer, yeah. the other two characters but they make you care about her in that scene in the movie theater, uh, yeah. in the scene at the at the restaurant. Like she's so good on screen that she's they so make charming. without so, with maybe yeah. having what three pages of dialogue, maybe if that, yeah, it is. you know. But they make you care about her, mm-hmm. and you know what's coming to you know. And it's yeah. not it. Look, they. And I think ultimately she ends up kind of being the voice of Tarantino in the film. Yeah. Especially the whole part about uh, Paul Revere and the Raiders. Yeah. Where she's just like, look, it's a good song or it's not a good song. 
get out of this hipster mentality yeah. of whether or not it's cool, right? Or it, like, it's like, does this song work? Yep. Yes, I like that exactly. Yeah. Now, to your point, Tom, I was just going to say, do you know what Tarantino said when that person asked why didn't you give her very many lines to say? Uh-uh. He just said, "I reject your hypothesis." <laughs> so, to your point, it's just he yeah. he he was just totally dismissed it because like that's ridiculous yeah. because he knew why he did it and he put her on screen for that much time and Margot Robbie had so many beautiful moments that made you fall in love with that character slash person even if you didn't know she existed someone like Katie wouldn't have understood that right. but she still loved that character that he created so just watching her listening to a Paul Revere and the Raiders album yes, right exactly Fantastic. so that's why when someone asked that question he just was like next because you didn't get it yeah right. that, you yeah. missed the whole point point. and one other thing about Paul Revere and the Raiders you mentioned the people who lived in the house next door mm-hmm Mark Lindsay, who was Paul Revere, or Paul Revere and the Raiders. Madam. Mark Lindsay <laughs> lived there with his producer, Terry Melcher, and actress Candace Bergen. They moved there in late 66, and in 1968, Charles Manson yes. went yes. to a meeting there facilitated by Dennis Wilson of the Beach Boys, but they moved out, yep. and Manson didn't know, Yeah, and so when he went back and ended up having his people kill the people there. He thought he was going after yep. those people who rejected him because he wanted a music career. He was trying to sell there, songs it's, to the Beach Boys. It's yeah. there. If you go on, if you can find it, he there's like a six-track six album of Charlie Manson songs. Yeah. Like, they're out well, there. And they're Guns not... Guns Roses got in trouble for covering one oh, they did? a million years ago oh, on the funny. spaghetti incident. Okay. And they're not bad. And like, they're very... 60s yeah and people were upset because it's like well that means manson got a paycheck now like, he, he owns the rights uh, to that song now yeah. here's the great thing about this terry melcher who was the producer for mark Lindsay, paul revere and the raiders listened to manson's songs mm-hmm. in the house that day and said no but then reconsidered uh-huh. and then went out to have a meeting with manson at the spawn ranch, ranch where mm-hmm. manson got into a drunken fight with a drunken stuntman yep yeah it's all there yeah. Like Tarantino gets it. This he is knows based the, on. I mean, there is a lot of truth here. This may be a fairy tale as we established. Yeah, but it is based on a lot of real events. And, and Tarantino he, knows stuff. He did yeah. his research. <laughs> that's, what, that's what they should have called this yeah. movie. I don't think he did any research. I just he already knew, knew it. it. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So they, you know, that's the thing. Is this movie much like all of his stuff? His older stuff. His newer stuff didn't really focus on like the multiple storylines and then tied them all up together. Um, no, Pulp Fiction. No, I mean his early stuff did that. Oh, I feel okay. like I feel like Inglorious Bastards didn't do that. Oh, like Django. the middle stuff. Yeah, it was more Kill, straight Kill and all that yeah. stuff didn't really do that. This one kind of goes back to that framework where you've got the Polanski and Sharon Tate. You've got Cliff. You've got uh, uh, Rick. You've mm-hmm. got all these different characters kind of circling, and the Manson family circling each other, and then they all kind of get tied up at the end. So um, the Cliff comes to pick up. Uh, Rick, they kind of go to the set to this new western that he's going to be the bad guy on. Cliff goes back to the house. We keep seeing this one girl keep showing back yeah. up, and of course, they keep missing each other. And it's interesting, like they could have made Brad Pitt a scumbag, and they went out of their way to ensure that he was the hero. Mm, they alluded to the fact that he might be a scumbag. Like, no, I, I, when he asked that girl for her, like he okay, but. But but, oh, the, but at the same time we don't know if he murdered his wife. Well, you don't know if he murdered his <laughs> wife, right? And, but also in that scene, like it it was basically like I know how the law works. It yeah. wasn't like you're too young for me, kid. Right. It was it was like I'm not going to make a misstep that's going to put me in jail. So the way that scene is written, while he makes the right decision, sure, you don't entirely know if he made it for the right reasons. 
And by the way, the scene where he tells, or so, or somebody's talking about him, and they talk about him killing his wife. It's They're talking about him on the boat. Yeah. Was he married to Natalie Wood? I thought the same thing. Is that what we're supposed to think? I, that's what I think. I, I, I mean, thought he was alluding. absolutely Natalie it's Wood. It's alluding to the Natalie Wood So he's Wood Robert thing. Wagner. Yes. See, I I didn't read it as Natalie Wood. I, mean, I just assumed that, that spear gun was about to go off. Oh, I think he pushed her. Well, yeah, and he's he holding went, that spear gun, and he pushed her. Over and the they're wall. fighting, <laughs> and I just took it as like that spear gun's about to go off. Was that an accident or not? But I, I think uh, it drew inspiration drunk. from Natalie Wood. So yeah, that's what yeah. most people are making that comparison. But what I love that Tarantino does is he never shows you either way. Those are the rumors. Like he's he's saying that you know his, he has this reputation and people call him right. wife murderer and all this. But they never show that happening. No. There's no so you can argue it either way. Is it the the tale? Is it the you know? Is it the it's rumors? Ho- it's sixties Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. Or did he actually do it? And so I, I really and, like how he didn't show it one way. Or the and other. that's yeah. why I think that scene plays both ways. It like, does. Even though he makes the right call, it's, it's the top. And it's inception. like, but why is he making the right call? Right. You I get you. I mean? Yeah. For and, sure. And so I I think you're. I I think the jury is deliberately out on whether or not this character. Well, I think, I mean, it, you know, when it, they like, add... it like you end up landing on liking the character because it's Brad Pitt. Sure. You know and he's mean? very likable in the same way, like in Paper Moon. You never know for sure if they're father and daughter. Right. But you're, you're going to land on them being father and daughter because they cast a father and daughter. <laughs> sure, right, right, like, right, right. And but in the book, it's a little bit more wishy-washy. Like, well, it's not. It's just like. Nobody knows. There's no real way of knowing. Right. And so the they be, they become father and daughter. Gotcha. In the movie, they become, you know, they, that relationship forms. But but you kind of always assume that they really are biologically related because they cast a biologically related yeah. But I'm with people. you, Joe. I think they paint him as a good guy, and I think that they give you no reason to root against well, Cliff and, Booth. And especially when, you, when we get to the scene at the ranch. Yeah, where even he's just like, and, and I he's always you, doing the right if, thing in these. If we can get Tarantino to do a horror movie, sign me up because that scene at the ranch <laughs> intense was yeah. nuts. There's yeah. a lot to like in this movie, yeah. and that's why I, that's why I started by saying it's the best movie I didn't <laughs> like because there are lots of things to yeah. like about this movie. Okay, here's a little movie detail that bothered me, and I had to think about on the way home that night. Margaret Qualley plays the teenage girl who he picks up, who's sure. a member of the Manson family. He doesn't know it, but he has suspicions about it. And she has armpit hair. She right. does. Mm-hmm. Do you think Tarantino told her, don't shave your armpit for six months, or did she get an armpit merkin? <laughs> <laughs> I think, Great question. I, I, think it looked, it, I mean, it looked natural. As much as armpit hair can look natural. Yeah, but Damian Lewis looked like Steve McQueen, Stan- and he's not. So that's a, yeah. So we should say that there's a lot of uh, Holly, Mama Cass is in this movie. Yeah, but she doesn't Michelle have any Phillips. lines. Michelle Phillips. I would think. Yeah, you would think if she was going to grow her armpit hair out, she would also stop shaving her legs. Yeah, that's and, a good point. And her legs were shaved. Yeah, unless that girl. I don't think she. I don't. She. She's a name I don't recognize in that Manson family. But they were they don't really talk about the ones that you that didn't do anything. Like there were so many people at that range. Right. Yeah. But I want like hooking was a, a form of income for them. And I wonder if she kept that, you know, as an appeal to pick up Johns. I don't that, know. Yeah, that, that that's you know. who knows. Who yeah. knows? I just wanted to say the word Merkin on this show. <laughs> Has anybody ever done that before? I mean, given our track record, know. probably. <laughs> Brad Pitt kind of picks him up, takes him to the set, and, and he kind of says, he's like, hey, can you, did you ask about me getting some work on here? He's like, 
yeah, like the the dude who runs this thing is friends with so and so, and it also shows like talk uh, non lazy exposition. Yeah. It, it illustrates his fading star. Yes, that he can't even get this guy get, his, some, get some work, some day work as a stunt. Man he was like, he was the he was the so and the PA on yeah. the Green Hornet. Uh, the way that you learn like, about these it. characters, the way it's written to then flash back to these things with and, and learn who these people are and what happened and why is he an ex stuntman or he can't get work as a right. stuntman now. I I just think it was brilliant the way that Tarantino built this world. He didn't force it. He didn't rush you into anything. It's like he let it naturally. You naturally learned about the characters through their conversations right. and then they would show you little bits and, and just through them talking. It's like we completely understood who Rick and Cliff were and and their relationship yeah and i i haven't felt this way about a movie in a long time where i was just sucked in and for a second halfway through the movie i forgot i was watching a movie very rarely will i go back and see a movie a second time yeah but this one was one of, i went back and i was like i gotta see i it couldn't again. stop like, thinking I, yeah. about it i mean i snapped out of it it was one of the brad pitt driving scenes which tom was mentioning <laughs> earlier. but but uh i for the first time in a long time it was like when you are driving home from work and then you're at home and you're yeah. like how'd i get here yeah. yeah i i snapped out of it and i'm like i'm watching a movie like yeah. i was so sucked into the these characters, characters are very real and this movie that i have not been lost like I'll be watching a movie and I'll think of something else or maybe I'll check the time on my phone or, you know, sometimes I'll just zone out and do something real quick and then get back to it. Right. This movie just, I was in. Yeah. You know, the irony is like, I would not watch this movie again, but if they do the four hour Netflix version, I I would watch that. Yeah. Cause I, I haven't done the hate. Have you done the hateful eight yet? Is it on Netflix? The longer version? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. It's like like a, it's like a four hour. It's a one hour block. Oh, I didn't realize that they they had actually put that out. They did. Um, I knew they were they were talk. I thought they were still talking. Oh about no, it. no, uh, I have not. I because I, I liked hatefully. The one that I'm surprised they have is the whole bloody affair. I don't know why they just don't put that out. How much extra? Is, but it's the two movies, it's put, two together. movies put together. Two movies together. But is there extra then I in between so. too? Yeah, oh, okay. for sure. Because Kill Bill, he said it. I mean, he counts that as one movie. Right. They just split it into two, but it is one story. Yeah. And they instead of making a four and a half hour movie or whatever <laughs> they released it as two and that worked out but they don't count it as like tarantino's you know ninth and tenth movie or whatever it's uh, he counts it as one oh they movie. do okay one and two are counted as one so we get a little bit of a flashback and this is the scene that has caused probably the most controversy in the entire movie is the portrayal of bruce lee uh, oh, in, in right. this scene and so i'm a brute like i'm a i love that i those are the those are some of the earliest action movies i've ever seen i fell in love with that guy uh, he's an amazing, and the fact that Shannon Lee, who is the only surviving child of Bruce and his wife, uh, kind of tore Tarantino a new asshole about yeah. the portrayal, and it's just kind of and look, I can respect the fact that he's your dad, and he you kind of he has this legacy of being uh, kind of like a, a spiritual leader as well as like a, a revolutionary. Your dad was a cocky son of a bitch. Like at that early in his career on the Green Hornet, like that he was so popular that in China and Japan, like it was called the Kato show. Like it, he, wow. the Green Hornet wasn't even a thing. It was the Kato show. Wow. So the fact that the, I, I feel like that's an accurate portrayal of Bruce Lee at that point where some old stuntman runs his mouth to Bruce Lee and Bruce Lee's like, I, what? Like, OK, like, let's do this right now. And they don't allude to the they, you don't know what happens in that third fall. Bruce Lee gets some it's two out of three falls. I knock you no no hits to the face because you're too pretty to be a stuntman. And I'm Bruce Lee, like I'm the lead of this movie of the show. And he he's going on on about Muhammad Ali or Cassius Clay at that time. 
they have a t-shirt on Bruce Lee's official website of a superimposed Bruce Lee against Muhammad Ali. And it's just like you you can't complain about the portrayal of Bruce Lee and how Bruce Lee would never well, but I don't know why that shirt would would say anything negative about Bruce Lee. It's I mean, not, but what I'm saying, she, he, I mean, he would fight a lot of people that he didn't necessarily dislike. Well, like what, he, fighting what, was what the she's job. saying is like Bruce Bruce Lee would never think of challenging Cassius Clay. Like he would never even it would never even cross his mind. Did she say that? I thought she said that she he did. Would, she said he had the utmost respect for Muhammad Ali, and that in the movie he's like, I could take him. Like, well, he yeah. Talks. But he's talking in front of a group of guys. Yeah. Had you Ali know? fought the kickboxer yet by 1969? No. no he wasn't he, doing stunt he, stuff yet. He, like, was, still, like, he was still Cassius well, Clay. Yeah. He, does, he did that. No, he wasn't. No, he changed Cassius Clay in the mid-60s. But they refer to him as Cassius Clay in this movie. That's because some people still did that. Oh, no, that's probably true. Okay. But he was definitely Muhammad Ali by 1969. Okay. I, I, you know, I but think, we're not at 16. Oh, yeah, we are. I think right. the fights with Frazier and Foreman, those were in the early 70s. So, yeah, you're probably right. Another 10 years before he has that. Horrible yeah. thing against the kickboxer. Yeah. But which my, was such a debacle. But my point is, but if, I, I don't, if you're going to say that Tarantino, that Bruce Lee well, would never challenge. But he starts off having nothing but respect for, for Muhammad Ali because he's saying he doesn't like how you fight in martial arts. Right. Because you're not really fighting. He's like, it's all just an elaborate show and it's stupid. Right. And, and he's like, the boxers are really punching each other they're really taking each other on but then, I, but, but, then I, he, but he does say if i fought cash he would be a stain I, yeah is what he said yeah and and uh but i don't even know if that's disrespecting him because i still think like if you're it's bravado if you're gonna get into the ring and go toe-to-toe with somebody you better damn well think you're going to kick their ass. I totally agree with you. You know what I mean? You I two told- are both on the same page. Yeah. You're yeah. saying it differently. But I yeah. totally. But, but that- my point is, is then she's like, he would never say that. It's like you are selling a shirt with your father and Muhammad Ali facing off with each other in the ring. So like you can't you can't say that and then still sell the shirt. Yeah. You know, like and again, they're and I guess Shannon- what I'm saying is I don't think selling that shirt is is disrespectful because because Bruce Lee, I'm sure, fought a lot of people. Sure, that he didn't disrespect. What You're I'm gonna fight. That's the job. What I'm know? saying is, <laughs> Shannon, Shannon can't. She can't say that he would never say that. Yeah, and then sell the shirt with the thing that he would never do on it. I'm gonna say this right now. If Tom O'Keefe fought Muhammad Ali right now, <laughs> Ali's a dead man. <laughs> <laughs> I think I could still find a way to lose. Wow. But like, so and then the this, this is a great scene. Any daughter or son is going to defend their father like this. And, and she she's she's doing what any of us would do. And I will also say though, this scene is presented as a flashback yep. from the point of view of the Brad Pitt character, correct? So like, who is kind of an unreliable this could narrator, be his right? So like, right? we don't know right. if this really played out exactly the way it's presented to us because even within the context of the film. It's not presented exactly. As, this Cliff is, is cocky. He's yeah. cocky oh, in the scene. So I, that's a great out, Tom. That's yeah. a great out to say that this is Cliff's memory of the events. And sure, uh, Bruce Lee probably was cocky too, but maybe he's painting him as really. I don't think you can do what either of these guys yeah. do without being cocky. Exactly. I like it. I think that's a great. Uh, you just explained the whole and, thing uh, away. Like I said, Sh- uh, so when Bruce Lee died, Shannon was a baby. Was young, yeah. I mean, not like young, like a, maybe an infant, yeah. because Brandon was. I mean, he could have been more than 10 when he died. So yeah. it's like there, I'm sure that there is some hero worship there for, you know, and I get that. But at the same time, 
you need to look at the context of the scene and realize that they don't go to a third fall because Zoe Bell breaks it up. Uh, and which I th- I love that where like so Brad Pitt kind of throws him into a car and smashes the car door. Uh, Zoe Bell kind of walks out and they have a. This is how we find out that Brad Pitt can't really get any work because he kicked the crap out of Bruce Lee. Yeah, we Bruce should Lee's say like, Kurt Bruce, Russell plays the stunt, stunt coordinator, Rick. and and so he is done using Cliff because of you know every, wife everything that Cliff's done. Yeah, and then the wife rumors and all that, and he gives him one more chance. And what does he do? Cliff fights Bruce Lee, the <laughs> star of the Black Hornet, and damages his wife's car. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah but but. I like the fact that it's actually Bruce so, Lee who wants to fight him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Brad Pitt doesn't go, come on, let's fight right now. Yeah, totally. It's Bruce Lee who says that, and then Zoe Bell comes in and blames Brad Pitt. <laughs> yeah. Of course. I do like when they're when they're Bruce Lee's kind of getting undressed and the guy's like, Are you sure you want to do this? And he was like, Yeah, look at him. He's like, Yeah, but that guy killed his wife. And he goes, That guy killed his wife? <laughs> and he's like, Yeah. He's like, Well, all right, I'm already here. But so yeah, we find that now he can't back. Now he can't back up. So we then we flash back to Brad Pitt on top of the roof fixing DiCaprio's uh, <gasps> and I do like where he was just he kind of goes yeah it's fair like I, that that line where he's after the flashback he's like nah it makes sense that's why I'm not yeah. working DiCaprio kind of finds his footing again and has this ridiculous scene two scenes with this girl, Mary Bell who's this actress this was amazing this entire Rick Dalton trying to it's kind of what he feels like is his last chance to prove to himself because he doesn't want to go to Italy and do these spaghetti westerns. And right. he's like, he wants to make it here and still prove that he's worth a damn. And I just, it's amazing what DiCaprio does with this whole arc. And they've you know? got, they've got Timothy Ola Fantastic is in this movie. Who looks just like the real guy. Yeah. Again, another, oh, does he? yes, yeah. another, the casting in this movie is incredible. And, and it's like everyone that they flashback, these people that are playing other actors from these old shows. Yeah. It's amazing when I, you see them side I by side. I love the Steve McQueen line where he's like, he, she was married to him, to Jay Sebring. <laughs> she left Jay Sebring to get with him. And now they're all living together. And Jay Sebring knows that that Polish F is going to mess up and he's going to be right there to sweep in and take over and he's going to be everything's going to be great. I do like the girl where she's like, well, he does have a type. She does have a type yeah, like short like I little. Never, I never stood, I a never stood a chance. Do you know who JC Bring was? He was the hairdresser. He, he was, was the hairdresser oh, to the stars. Yeah, he, was he was the inspiration for Warren Beatty's character in Shampoo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. 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 Played by Emil Hirsch in this. Yes. Um, and in the scene you're talking about where uh, Leo, is, where Rick is shooting the scenes for Lancer yeah. and sits down with the girl. People should know that girl's name is Julia Butters. She's going to be something. Name. She's 12 years old, playing yeah. an 8-year-old in this movie. I predict next year at the Oscars, she's the kid presenter. Like oh, Jacob sure. Tremblay after Room and yeah. yeah. Jaden Smith got great. to do it. She was great. She was great. And that whole exchange, yeah. that whole the whole the thing. whole thing of him of him on the set of that show Fantastic. was great. Oh, Incredible. That's the other thing I was talking about earlier. The way they film it, you never see a camera. We're watching like a finished film, but they rewind it and reset the camera. Like you know, you're watching the camera, yeah. right? But it's finished. It doesn't look like uh, the, raw rough footage or anything. The it's, thing I liked about that scene is I I think it shows you how how difficult it is to be an actor on a film set that like oh sure when you watch a movie and you're caught up in the moment and you think oh i yeah i could maybe do this you know but when you see him flub a line and then call for a line and then but have to like immediately drop back into that character and say i got it i got it 
Yeah, like when he takes a drink and spits the thing again, yeah. and just does it so naturally yeah. and organically back, there's no pause in time. Right, you can tell he's frustrated. Timothy Oliphant's getting frustrated, you know, and it's like he's just like so mad, and he doesn't. He takes a drink, spits it out, and then starts doing it again. You're just like director didn't yell anything at that moment. Like he just did it, and yeah. it, it's incredible the way he's like, "Can we cut?" He's like, "No, keep going, keep going." Yeah, but I, it's interesting, like. The two characters that my only quibble was like, I don't think that there would have been a Western on TV like this back. Probably not. That's probably now in their defense. And this is probably their out. They're shooting a pilot. Yeah. Like we don't know that it never got picked up. Lancer was a real TV show. It was on ABC in the late 60s. But they're shooting the the pilot pilot when you see it. So I don't I'm just. So I don't know. I've never seen Lancer. It was on for two years. And okay. James Stacy was the real star of the okay. movie. Okay, yeah. yeah. Of the show, I mean. Two yes, favorite yeah. characters that Timothy Oliphant has played is Raylan Givens and uh, Bullock from Deadwood. And when he shows up in this scene, he is this of combination of Raylan Givens and, and Bullock. And I was like, I yeah. just make this guy do this it's character Timothy for Timothy a Western. The, yeah, yeah I just mean, sign me up. Yeah. And that's basically what justified what he was. does. Like, it was like, just an updated Western, basically. But yeah, this whole thing, I mean, DiCaprio, we know DiCaprio's an amazing actor. Yeah. He proves it with this whole Lancer arc. It is just unbelievable. And when that little girl said that was the best oh, acting man. I've ever seen and the reaction that this DiCaprio like gives her. Rick fucking Dalton. That is an amazing, amazing yeah moment in film right that just it's amazing he, he i'm gonna be interested to see i he'll, mean he'll get nominated he i mean he won for the last one right i mean uh, his yeah, last that movie was, th- was the revenant five years ago did he win for that didn't he win wasn't that his first yes that's what he won that's for. what he won that's for. his first win so it's like i mean i know it's been five years and this is his first thing since his actual win but it's like man this is he a hasn't good, made a movie since the revenant he hasn't five wow. years i have to correct myself lancer ran on cbs tuesday nights at seven thirty. From 1968 to 1970. And nice. James Stacey really did star in the show. Mm-hmm. And Wayne Maunder, who was portrayed in the movie by Luke Perry, yeah, he was, his last role, the guy from 90210, he was the co-star of this. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. It was a okay. real... Th- yeah, it was like a, baza- a bonanza knockoff, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then this is kind of the end of this era for because we kind of flash forward a little bit. They We find out... We go, we go six months later... Uh, and Rick has decided, you know, he well, goes to... We, we got to talk about the ranch. Oh, that's right. That's right. So... Uh, Very important here. So Rick, or not Rick, but... Uh, Cliff. Cliff. Cliff is driving down, and we see the girl again. Third time. Yeah, and she finally, they're going the same way, and he was just like, God damn it. All right. Like, this is going to get me in all kinds of trouble. So she kind of, you know... Now, this is the most feat... I, Tarantino the, went crazy. We know, we know Tarantino is a foot guy, <laughs> yeah. and he does it in a lot of his movies from Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill, all that. This I, is, I did not like the feet in this movie. It got it's a, too much, I and they're too in the front of the camera. I didn't it's, mind the Margot Robbie one, because I was like, okay, I'll give you the one. It was okay. But I know barefoot hippies in the 60s. I get it. This girl puts her feet on the windshield. It was gross. Yeah, it was to gross. see the dirty, gross hippie feet <laughs> on the windshield closest to the camera, it just, for that long, I, it was gross. I, right? I got to tell you, I saw this movie at a screening. I came home and I told my wife how much I loved it. And I said, you really should go see this movie. And she said, yeah, but it's Tarantino. It's going to be too violent. I said, well, there's some violence at the end, but it's not that bad. She's, and she said to me, is it Bruce Willis in the basement in Pulp Fiction violent? <laughs> and I said, no, it's not that bad. She said, okay, I'll see it. Yesterday, she went to see it, comes home. First thing she says is, what's with the feet? <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, it was too much. Again, I get that you like it. Right. Put some feet in there if you want, but it's just, it was too much. A lot of feet. By the way, she loved it, too. Lot, yeah. Lots of feet in that movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would also like to point out that the Bruce Willis scene 
doesn't have any violence. There's no violence in that it's movie. It's all off camera. Yep. That's all that violence. That's in your wife's head, man. Yep. There's no violence in that in that scene whatsoever. That, okay. that's there, sword, the, he, yeah. If you remember, he takes that sword and he and the guy standing behind him and he and he pu- and he pushes back and but the blade is below the cut of the screen. Yep. Like there there is almost no violence in that scene whatsoever. Oh, okay. But people remember it. It's the same it's, way people remember uh, uh, Janet Lee getting stabbed in the shower. Yeah. You never, you never see, see her it. get stabbed. No. Yeah. You see Anne Hage's butthole. I'm well, going to let I'm not in the first. One. I'm going to let you tell my wife that. Write <laughs> <laughs> me the next screen, and I'll be like, "Okay, uh, you're the one that loves the violence." Lady. So yeah, we find we get the uh, Ter- or Brad Pitt picks up the girl, and he's just like, "Are you going to spawn like spawn movie ranch?" And at that point, you're just like, "This is going to get bad." Like I thought we were. I thought we were going to lose Brad Pitt. Like, well, that's, yeah, that's, I, I thought. Yeah, for that's sure. whatever. The thing that Quentin Tarantino does, and again, uh, one of the reasons I love this movie so much is that it managed to surprise you. Yeah, we've all seen a lot of movies, and we can pretty much all call what's going to happen in most movies. They're yep. predictable. Even good ones are predictable, like because you've seen it. How Did many you times know that they were going to pick up Captain uh, Thor's hammer? <laughs> no, I don't remember. <laughs> but the the thing is, it's just like you've seen it, and it's just how many different ways can you do certain things? It's yeah. like we've seen it all, and this movie manages to keep surprising you. And that I haven't had that reaction in a theater in a long time. No, because, I agree. Again, even if I enjoy a movie, I'm like, well, yeah, you knew that was going to happen. You knew it, and this movie made me go like, oh my gosh! Like you know, I was worried for Brad Pitt, and nothing. Nope. Bad happens to him. Nope. And then, of course, that ending is the biggest shock where I audibly like was gasping and, uh-huh. oh, my gosh, like the whole audience went nuts. And I haven't been a part of an audience like that in a long time where, you know, even if I'm having fun or whatever, you know, I hardly laugh out loud. It's got to be really funny. This movie is probably the funniest Tarantino movie I've ever seen. There's, There's a, a lot, lot of comedy in this that... I that's actual comedy. That's yeah. not like awkward. <laughs> but, nervous laugh. Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. So... He drives the girl out there. He kind of, she's like, "You want me to give you a blowjob while we're driving out there?" And he's like, "How old are you?" And she was like, "Oh man, you're." I'm a gonna bummer. need to see some. Yeah, I do like. She's like, "I'm 18." He's like, "Show me your ID." Yeah. And she's like, "What?" He's like, "Right, you don't have you don't an have ID. It, yeah. I've gonna been avoiding see an X-ray of your wrist. <laughs> I've, yeah, I've been I've been avoiding the law my entire life, and I ain't gonna get cut up for any poontang. Yeah. Is the line. And so they drive her out there, and this is all. It's it's so creepy because everybody kind of starts to come out. And we see Leah Dunham comes out, and she kind of says, "And then the next th- two hours of the movie is just Midsummer." <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. So at this point, Rick—not Rick, I'm sorry—Cliff knows this isn't right. Yeah. Like his spider sense has gone off. Right, something is wrong. Uh, Tex shows up. A bunch on, of hippies living they on this ranch shouldn't be able to afford living on this huge right. property. And it's like, well, what are all these kids doing? And Cliff right. knows the ranch because he had been there as a stuntman he, making movies, yeah. making Bounty Law. Yeah, yeah. The scene where he's just like, "Does George Spawn still own this ranch?" And they're just like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Does he still live at that house?" And they're just like, "Yeah." He's like, "I'm gonna, all right, I'm gonna go say hi." He's like, "I'm just an old buddy. Like, I'll go say hi." And everybody's kind of like, "Nope, don't." He's taking a nap. Don't go up there. Don't go up there. I was like. Brad Pitt, don't go up there. And like, this the is- whole time, and the whole time, you know exactly how this is going to go, or so you think. Yes, yeah. they're feeding it's a Tarantino they're, movie. Like, they're we're- feeding him lines. He's going to go in there. He's going to get killed. Yeah. The guy's going to be dead. You know how this ends, but you don't. None right. of it. It's just like he manages to shock you in this moment yeah. where you're just like, oh. So talk about subverting expectations. People love to try to do that now. It's it, it's not always easy to do, but it's like 
you yeah. think you know exactly how it goes exactly. down and it and, doesn't yeah they so tell he, you they gave it all to you and you rejected it you and, don't you don't realize so he goes he's walking out the ranch and all the the little manson girls are like he's coming up there this guy's coming yeah. up here go and get they all, no they're not yet but that's happening so yeah. that that happens when he punches the guy yeah. in the mouth uh, so Old Tex goes and checks him out. First, right, right, though, and then he leaves. So Dakota so Fanning is De- the guy that's going to be Elvis. Oh, Austin really? Butler, I think. Is okay, the name. okay. So uh, Ellie or Dakota Fanning is in this movie mm-hmm. as Squeaky Fromm. She kind of like gives Brad Pitt the gift, the guff. Finally, he's like, "I'm going to tell you right now, uh, I'm coming in there, and this screen door ain't going to stop me. So you can either let me in, or I'm coming in." And she finally, she like clicks the thing. That's right. Like, you're dead. Like you are yeah, dead. Right. There's no, you're not making out of this house alive. And she says, "No, he's got to take his nap because we watch FBI, FBI and I don't want him falling Bonanza. asleep." <laughs> and it's like you're like she's feeding him this BS. Right. He's going to go in there. They're all going to go kill him. And then he goes in and sees Bruce Dern as George Spawn. And he shakes him and he doesn't move. And you go, "Oh, he's going to roll over and be super <laughs> dead." This, 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 we're going to see a corpse. This yeah. is going to be well, yes. Norman Bates's mother. Yeah, is in this exactly. Band. He shakes him. No, nope. shakes him. Totally he rigged. rolls over. Oh. What do you who what? Right. Come on. They have, and they and have by a, the way, perfect Bruce Dern. Yeah. But yeah. If you had said Bruce Dern, could you do Bruce Dern for us? That's what you would get. <laughs> yeah. Bruce Dern. So they have an interaction and you know, he kinda says like yep, And this is this the role is that was supposed to be Burt Reynolds. Reynolds. Yeah. I could see that for sure. But uh, he couldn't do Bruce Dern. He could right. not do Bruce yeah. Dern. But so it ended his career. <laughs> yeah. Uh they have they have a little back and forth and finally Brad Pitt's like, I gotta go. Like I need to get out of here. So he takes off and he runs. But in. he's like, I got to take my nap because Squeaky gets mad if I fall asleep during FBI. And I just thought this was the most brilliant writing that yeah. he says the exact same thing. This Squeaky was not even lying. No, he's yeah. telling the truth. It blew my mind that that character and in this situation was would not be trying to pull some kind of scam. And I mean, you know, and that when, whole family were scam artists. Yeah. Like Charlie Manson was a scam. Yeah. Artist. If, you think, like, if you think Manson family, you don't think a bunch of honest yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, right. But, you know, I looked into the history. It of just it. had a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> but this really happened. It did. Manson made a deal with Spawn, yes. and and he promised you know there'd be women there, and yep. and he, like this all really happened. Charlie Manson, the one that we that you seen like that you saw towards the end of his life was not what he was back then. Like back then, he was a charismatic leader of like i mean he was a cult leader and he had the charisma and he had the he was smart you're talking pre-forehead swastika yes yes i'm talking like after he got caught and you know jail or whatever and just you know uh but like back look he he got a lot of people a lot of young women got people to murder you know i mean yeah so so yeah so brad pitt kind of walks and at this point the the family is gone like they've kind of just dispersed and there's the one girl in there and she's like you're such an embarrassment and he was like okay He's like, you should, I think you should leave. He's like, what? He's like, do you, do you believe us now? He's like, absolutely not. <laughs> He's like, I think you should leave. He's like, way ahead of you. Yeah. And he goes to his car, and of course, there's a knife in his car, and we see in the tire. And yeah, we see. I'm trying to think of what that. So this guy is also real, and it's interesting. Dan Graney says that the only violence that occurs in this movie are the people who committed violence in real life. Mm-hmm. So this guy murdered a stuntman on the ranch, like in real life. So. When this is the scene where I was like, well, okay, that's that's the end of Brad Pitt. But he ends up, he's like, he goes out. He's like, this isn't even my car. He pulls out the jacket on the tire. He's like, fix it. This was a great, another great yeah. scene. Yeah. And he's like, no, I'm not fixing it. He jumps down. He's like, and fine. Brad Pitt doesn't miss a beat. Kicks the guy right in the nuts and punches him in the mouth. And then, you know. And all the, all the girls on the side. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. we and love you. He just grabs him by his hair and it's just like hockey punching him. Yeah. And finally, he's like, you make one more move. I'm going to knock his teeth down his throat. And he's like, fix it. Yeah. And he fixes the tire. And then at this point, Tex is flying back and 
Brad Pitt's yeah. already going. They were like, I guess they were making money by taking families on tours on yes. horses around yeah. the ranch. Yeah. And so he was given one of those tours and the girl goes, gets him. He comes back. And he's uh, already gone. But Tex is like, like one of the tough guys. Like there's all these women and there's a couple guys. And so Tex that was is Manson kind of did the, that on purpose. Yeah. He kept, he kept the men to a low number yeah. because, you know. So Tex was kind of the muscle If someone, you know, if they I, need I help. Think, I think he's still in jail. I think the other, I think the two girls are out. Really? Yes. They got out? Yes. Huh. I'm almost positive that two the two of them are in Texas still in jail, but I, if yeah, I'm But this was like, so intense because not only with all this stuff like you know he's you think he's dead and there's all these times where they're going to get him or do whatever and then Tex comes and you're like, "Oh crap, what's this show now going to be right. like?" And he just barely misses him. <laughs> the guy had fixed the tire and uh and Cliff's was driving gone. off right as Tex comes in. Right. So So yeah, so we flash forward about 6 months, we find out that Rick has taken the deal to go to Italy and do the Western. A lot's happened in six months. Yeah. I do like that. It's interesting. Like I, does DiCaprio have something else coming out after this? Because he was jacked. I thought he put on like some serious muscle towards the end of this movie. And I'm just wondering if he was bulking up for something else later. Because he, I, I, maybe it's just the style of clothes so. that he was wearing. I mean, DiCaprio doesn't do a lot of stuff, and like again, this is his first movie in five years. Yeah. I don't think he has anything. I don't know. He looked in pretty ridiculous shape yeah. in that last huh. scene. So we just, you know, the the movies are kind of you know drying up. He's uh, he they, did like three movies. Yeah, right? he did four. He did, he did westerns. four westerns out okay. there. One with Telly Savalas, yeah. as a matter of fact. Um, Made a bunch of money. Most got of himself went, a, an Italian wife. <laughs> yeah, right, uh, and they're flying back. But in the process, he realizes this is kind of the end of the road. Cliff and and yeah. Rick, so they got decide, a wife to gonna, take care of. They're going to go He's... tie one on one last time and have one good night out together. At the same time, now this is the night. This is the night of the the Tate LaBianca murders, and they set it up like a true crime documentary it, with the timestamps and, and, and the locations. You've, and you've got the people. Kurt Russell's doing the voiceover yeah. about actual things. I don't like the happening. voiceover. Like I think they should have either had a narrator or not had a narrator. I didn't like the. The two-hour gap between the appearance yeah, of the narrator. like in the third when, act when it came yeah. back in it was a little he's bit got of, like one little narration at the beginning he talks about the car accident and, and then, then you never hear from him again until the very end right and I I, I liked it but I agree it was jarring because yeah. when you didn't have a narrator for so long you yeah. forgot there was a narrator and it feels it, it feels lazy it like, made me wonder know. if that was to make up for scenes Tarantino cut I exactly I think yeah. I think the four-hour cut did not have a narrator and when he cut it to three he, he decided to just explain it a little further but this movie is one that i even i mean i was praising it because it doesn't spoon feed you things Mm -hmm. and this movie is one that shows you all that you need to know and so by having a narrator it takes away from that but again i think that i think that in that longer cut we're gonna see all that extra stuff i think kurt russell's great as the narrator i mean it's kurt russell and tex watson is still in jail yeah okay but the other girls are out right Uh, it was sadie sadie may and Katie, I think, was the other one. So they get back to the house, and so the 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 t- the Tates and kind of go out with their little crew to this Mexican restaurant, and uh, DiCaprio and and Brad all this Pitt. was really happened. Yes, they actually went out that night. It yeah. was all real. It was the hottest night of the year. They came home, and everybody was kind of just mucking around in the Tate the Tate house. And by doing the timestamps and everything, Tarantino made another brilliant move. By you're like, we know what's going to happen, and now he's showing us real dates and times and weather and stuff. So like right. he's setting up for what we all know will happen. We know what's coming. So it, that misdirection, I think, was another great move to where you couldn't even possibly expect it. Would no. be he's giving you all the information. Like here's how it happened. Right. So Brad Pitt kind of takes his dog for a walk and smokes an acid dip cigarette that he that he. Bought 
bought like, he stashed there he stashed the there yeah. uh dicaprio Chekhov's acid dip cigarette <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. yeah dicaprio's kind of making himself some frozen margaritas margaritas are a big part of this movie there's a lot of margaritas going on and the, now we've got the the car pulling up to the house and of course brad you know not brad pitt but dicaprio kind of comes out and he was like what the i pay all this money in taxes and i got this Hunk of junk, and he goes out there and just starts. And I was like, okay. I go, okay, well, we're losing DiCaprio. This was, like, yeah, that's, totally. I totally I mean, thought it, that's it. That's there was it. no question that they were going to pull out a gun and shoot him right there in the street. Well, they actually, I mean, that that gun. Yeah, and the, I, I thought that's how they were going to end up not murdering the Manson family is that they were going to kill him instead. That he, they were going to shoot him in the street, and that was going to be the got the, it. The nope. Yeah, <laughs> they go. He they they immediately are just like, sorry, sorry, sorry. Like, we'll, we'll get out of here. We'll get out of here. He's like, God damn hippies. And, and then what they're like, I think him. that was the guy from. Yeah, Rick, yeah. there was the other. He's like, was that was that Rick Dalton from, yeah. from Bounty Law? Yeah. He's like, did I just get yelled at by? <laughs> yeah. <whatever?"> <laughs> so but it, it is there was one member of the family that that's how it's not how they got caught. But she was like a key witness. And I think it was that girl. Yeah, The one that drives away didn't really do that. But she's the one that turned on. Them. Yes. Right. Brad Pitt comes back. He kind of gives the dog his food. I do like the dog is like, I love that dog. Like the that dog's great. The dog Brandy was, was her and name. The, and the rat flavor. Oh, so funny. Like, yeah, food. so gross. He made that brand up. Uh, he made Wolf's a tooth. Yeah, yeah. Wolf's tooth is another made up brand. Uh, there's a beer that Brad Pitt drinks. That's a made up, made you up. know, Tarantino verse brand. And then the cigarettes are red apple, red apple, red apple and from other stuff. That's from yeah. Pulp Fiction. I think yeah. there's a lot. There's a yeah, lot that's that a brand. Yeah. 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 I love that gag at the end of the movie. With yeah. the red apple commercial. Yeah the dog kind of perks so there's a running gag where the dog like brad pitt tells the dog not to whine otherwise he's not going to eat uh the The dog's clearly very well trained yes and he sets up the scene by putting the dog on the couch and telling it not to move don't move until he until he tells it to probably at some point a stunt dog yeah (laughs) (laughs) probably i don't think it was a stunt dog i think it was just a foam head Uh, yeah so Uh, we have Chekhov's dog yeah right yeah uh so the dog hears something moving in the background. Brad Pitt reacts. All of a sudden, here comes the Manson family, uh, and they break into the house. And at this point, I was like, "What? Wait, what now?" Like this is the point where I was like, "I have no idea what's going to happen. I have yeah. no clue." And when you say the house, you mean Rick's house. I mean Rick's house, not, not the Tate house. Sebring and Tate are yes, not the, so. And then I do like where he's just like, "I thought there were supposed to be more people here," and they're just like, "No, it's just him and the girl in the back." He's like, "Well, get her." So finally. Brad Pitt is tripping balls, and he's like, "Are you? Are yeah, you he's really not even sure they're yeah. real? Are you really here?" And he was just like, "What? You know, I'm and, the, I'm here. I'm the devil." And that's no, a line. That's a real line. Like, "I'm the devil. I'm going to do the devil's I'm work. I'm here to do the devil's work." So yes. yeah. So Tex says that to Brad Pitt, <laughs> and that, just starts laughing. And the callback when the medics come is hilarious. Oh, I like laughed the, out yeah, loud. The, the devil. The he devil said he was something. here. To, he was the devil, and is here to do some devil. Sh- yeah. <laughs> I just I busted out laughing the way he described and this that. is the Tarantino violence uh, immediately which kinda, was amazing yeah. it, it was so cartoonish and unexpected and I was laughing I was ooing and aahing with the audience it was gnarly Again, a movie has not surprised me and made me feel like this in a long time where I was engaged with it surprised by it shocked by it right. it, it just to expect this i don't i well, mean that, that's much like the hitler thing they turn this story on its head yeah. so brad pitt basically takes out the manson family by himself him and the dog take everybody out well i'll get to that part uh so he destroyed and in the most violent way possible because these are not good people these no. are murderers yes and to get justice not only by giving sharon tate her spotlight and showing her and, and they, Margot so Robbie, they gut her they cut that baby out of her stomach in real life like yeah. that's a real thing Somebody, I think somebody heard something where she said, please 
don't kill my baby. And they were just like, nope. And just went, I mean. But this was Tarantino. You know, a lot of his movies, most of his movies are revenge movies. And this was Tarantino's revenge. On the Manson family. You know, <laughs> and I just, uh, you, I mean, you obviously have no sympathy for these people. And it was fantastic to see them, you know, even if this is just a fairy tale, it was a nice. I want the 16th, the 13th fist of McCluskey. 14. 14. <laughs> yeah. I want that oh, to be yeah. a movie, like in real life. He wants the prequel. Yeah. The, <laughs> the 14th bit, that was just a little much. Yeah. yeah. The, the franchise really kind of lost <laughs> yeah. steam on that one. So, it's obvious why they didn't make the 15. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, he, he's, he stomps Tex into oblivion. He grabs uh, one of the other girls, the ginger one, and just b- destroys yeah. her face. And then. Uh, he throws the other one, the can of dog food straight into her face. I, yeah. No, that was the that was the brunette. Oh, that, he's okay. like, yeah, I remember you, you pasty. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, the, that's right. Yeah. He's just like railing on. Like, he smashes her head into a like, phone and the wall. Curbs yeah. stomping her on the mantle. Yes, basically. exactly. Yeah. And then the the other one falls out the window. And I too love DiCaprio's reaction because he's got headphones on, so he doesn't right. hear any of it. All of a sudden, this girl falls into bloodied up, and she's disgusting and she's screaming. And he's like, I got an idea. And he goes inside and he has the flamethrower. <laughs> From the thirteen fists of fourteen fists of McCluskey and Incredible. burns her alive. Chekhov's flamethrower. Chekhov's yeah. flamethrower. Exactly. Fact, I mean, the fact that he went and got a flamethrower and just lit her up. I mean, it was amazing. This yeah. whole now, showdown. Now listen to this. I heard somebody on the way out of the screening saying, "Well, that wouldn't kill her because she could just jump and dive under the water." And I thought, yeah. And every time she comes back, up, <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. that flamethrower yeah. again. <laughs> so yeah. So then they. Only in a Bond movie can you escape fire on the surface yeah. by swimming eight miles on, <laughs> right. one, on one breath. On yeah. one breath, yeah, exactly. The cops show up and they, you know, everything gets squared away. I'm so glad Cliff wasn't dead too, because oh, yeah, he was, was stabbed in his side, is, yeah. and so you're worried that you know. But he just he's like, he I'm all right. Yeah. Don't. He's like, he's like, go check on your new wife because yeah. DiCaprio wants Rick wants to go to the hospital like, with nah, him. He's like, nah, I'm fine. You see uh, you tomorrow. Yeah. So <laughs> Jay Sebring comes to the gate and he's like, what happened? And DiCaprio kind of lays out what happened. He's like, do you want to? Sharon Tate comes on like the squawk box and kind of gives him. She's like, are you okay? He's like, yeah, yeah. Thank you for asking. Like, yeah, I'm okay. And so earlier in the beginning of the movie, he's like, I'm one party away. Pool party. Pool. I'm one pool party away from being in the next Polanski picture. Yeah. And now here we are. Like he gets invited up. Every And the everybody in that house survives. The The Manson family is murdered. Well, not murdered, but killed. Yeah. And that's kind of how it ends. But and it says, once upon a time. As soon as you realize that, that it was up, a fairy tale. I was like, oh, tale. you son of a bitch. And, like, that's so good. it was so a beautiful good. fairy tale. There was justice for the real-life terrible murders. Sharon Tate is alive. And, and They don't talk about the La Biancas, who are also murdered well, that I'm guessing night. that I'm, if, I'm, I guess <laughs> the, that it well, all fell apart. The, yeah, so the La Biancas are murdered yeah. after, the right, t- right. after the Tate house. So, and then also, now Rick Dalton has a chance to revitalize his career, because now he's in with Roman mm-hmm. Plant and Sharon Tate. So, so like, he gets his happy ending. It's a really nice, you know. Yeah. It's Now yeah. there's one part of this movie you guys didn't mention at all that I have to mention. Please. Yeah. Boss Radio 93 KHJ which has the same role in this that Wolfman Jack had in American Graffiti. Although he appeared in that movie, for most of it he's just the guy on the radio everybody listens to. And in 1969 Los Angeles Bill Drake was a consultant who started a new format and put it on 93KHJ, which was the most popular AM music station in Los Angeles. FM hadn't really taken over yet. It's the radio station that you actually hear their jingle in the Everclear song, AM Radio. Oh, really? It starts off, they use the same jingle in this movie, but it's just KHJ, Los Angeles, like, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And it kicks off AM Radio. And here's the fascinating thing to me. When I was watching the movie, I recognized... 
the morning guy, Robert W. Morgan, who used to say, good Morgan, everybody. <laughs> yeah. And the, the afternoon- Is that where we get that from? Yeah. Like making fun of the DJ, like what they used to call them, pukers. Yeah. That were like, good Morgan, everybody. Well, that, that was all the 60s yeah. top 40 sure, guys. Sure, yeah. That was the-, the afternoon guy was the real Don Steele. People would call up and say, is this the real? They called him that. <laughs> the evening guy was humble Harve. You hear those actual guys- in this movie. Oh, that's pretty cool. Tarantino went back and listened to 17 hours of air checks that he got from air check collectors around the country. He put out requests for people to send him 93 KHJ audio. That's good stuff. And he took that and added it in, and where they were talking up a song in the air check, he then used that song in the movie. That's pretty awesome. The soundtrack to this was driven. The soundtrack is literally driven by (laughs) a radio station from 50 years ago. That's what I'm talking about. His his ability to integrate music into his flicks, and I mean that that that, that's on another level because then you have then you have to like play off of what they actually said and go from there. Like that's that's pretty impressive. And you hear that radio station everywhere because everybody who's driving in a car, which Tom hated, but you get (laughs) you you get. I was fascinated by because not only did I have the scenery, but also the sound of ninety three KHJ. But I'm that's a radio pretty, freak, so that, that, that's that just me. That was your, that was your cool jam. Because to us, it just added to the authenticity. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's, to, to this, me, it's another character yeah, in the movie. Yeah, it was 1969 Hollywood. It looked like it. It sounded like it. Nothing about this movie, except for when they were filming on sets, made me go, that's a set. You know what I mean? When you sure. looked at this movie, the ones, never yeah, looked, except for the ones that were sets. Right, right. right, it's, right it's yeah. so, it felt so real. And then all those little details for the diehards and people to look up and research. There's so much to unpack. I'm so that, pissed that he was not Stuntman Bob. Yeah. I you know, really I wish you had been Stuntman Bob. I never give credit to a production designer on a movie, but there's a woman named Barbara Ling who's worked with Tarantino on other things. She and her crew are the ones who listened to Tarantino tell them stories about what was on Sunset Boulevard, and then they recreated it wow. perfectly. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's a great-looking movie. Yeah. yeah. So then, then there's like a little, a quick little post-credit sequence of uh, him doing a Red Apple cigarette, Rick doing a Red Apple cigarette commercial. And, of course, you hear Tarantino say cut, and he was like, oh, my God, these are terrible. And who picked this stand? Oh, it's and Tarantino? At, yeah. I was wondering if he had. I it's didn't him. see him in this it's movie. It's absolutely okay. Him, yeah. He was like, who picked this picture for this? Look at the double chin. This is re- and smashes the thing, and that's how nice. it ends. But, yeah, I think this is – I need to go back and – like, uh, Jackie Brown, to me, is the one that I never liked. Oh, but it's I really think, good. I think oh, that is. I was – It's the only one that he adapted. I just watched it again recently. So I need no to go back Leonard and rewatch story. that one. But this, I, this I struggle with that one. I think because – it was a very different style yeah. from what came before it, and it didn't have like a zip. Yeah, it didn't have that That's same the kind problem. of punch. It's a great movie, but everyone was expecting Tarantino, right. yes. and so when he delivers Jackie Brown, which is excellent, you're like, oh well, it's not really Tarantino. Right. That doesn't mean it's bad, but you're just expecting, right. you know. Right. Um, and by so the I, way, what he did in that movie for. Uh, Pam Greer and Robert Forster, what he had done for Travolta with Pulp Fiction, yeah. which is revive a career that had yeah. been dormant for a long time. Yeah. For sure. But yeah, yeah so uh, this is this is probably top four for me. This is amazing. I, I yeah. love this movie. I like would see, was... I only because of lack of time, I would love to see this again. I just didn't get to I'm going to wait for that four hour cut. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would be interested to see if, if I liked that better because yeah. I just, I felt like a lot of times this was just kind of meandering. Sure. And But, th- but again, there were things I really liked about the movie. Yeah. I just... I I just I I I didn't like the ending at all. Like I did I, you want them to do the whole murders? I I don't know what I wanted. Sure, you know, but I, I and I felt like because uh I I felt like I know this is gonna sound weird. I felt like how they got killed was uh, literally overkill. And I you mean the Manson family? Yeah, and I felt like 
because we know what they do in real life, it kind of gave him carte blanche. Yeah, and permission to be destroy them. To, yeah, to be <laughs> hyper violent with them in yeah. a, in a way that was kind of played for laughs. That just even though they're awful people and I have zero sympathy for them, still didn't sit well with me. I get that. Um, there was definitely, I mean, when he it, starts going to town, yeah. there was definitely some audible like, ooh. And it just, and it just felt kind of like, I don't know, juvenile to me. I just, I didn't, oh. I didn't like it. I, just, I could also, like, there's been some backlash about violence against women. And, yeah. And he had that and, problem in the hateful eight where and, he and beat I, the shite out of Jennifer Jason Leigh. But Lee. these are murders that, right. And I, I mean, and, Jennifer and, and, Jason Leigh's the bat, like yeah. she's the bad gal and, in that movie too. Like and she's I, one of the worst. But I feel like that's kind of the cover, right? That's kind of like, mm-hmm. well, then you're, if you're, if you're coming after me for violence against women, well then you, now you're, then, oh, then you're defending these murderers. Right. Like that's the kind of like smug, kind Absolutely. of douchey jujitsu that's yes. being played. But here's the problem here. There really isn't that much outrage. We live in a culture where one person gets offended. I talked, we talked about there's this. Been a, there's been a lot of, lot of articles about the Bruce Lee thing. Yeah. That's been, that, I've seen, but, but see more articles about the Bruce Lee yeah. thing yes. than the, than the, women yeah. thing, although I've seen it. Right. But it, anyone can write an article. What yeah. I mean is that there really isn't like a backlash or outrage. People picketing this movie. Like now one person says something on the internet and gets outraged and then someone else picks it up and it's, these are like non-stories that are becoming clickbait articles. You know what I mean? This yeah. really hasn't caused a huge controversy. Right. Everyone gets upset about I anything. I know I was kind of squicked out watching it. It just kind of felt, it, it It just felt, and I mean this in a non-sexual sense, but it just felt kind of masturbatory. I get it. Like it, mm-hmm. that it was just kind of like, you know, I don't know, it was like watching a little kid play, like, and then I do this, and I do this other thing. The dog Ooh, tears his arm off. Yeah, and I was just like, and I just, I, I, it just did not sit well with me at I all. I can appreciate that. You're not outraged that. and didn't write an article about it. Though. No, it's I just too mean much work. The, yeah, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> I but, that's, on a podcast. but you're also a sensible person. Yeah. You can not like something and not be outraged. Right, and, yeah. That's what I mean. Like, yeah. I'm sure pe- some people didn't enjoy it, but my point is there isn't a backlash over this. Everyone yeah. is saying, no, three people yeah. are saying yeah. and you're repeating it. Exactly. So Louder. That's yeah. the problem. But yeah, I think if you haven't seen this, well, we're too late now. But yes. it's to- it, like, I don't know if number 10, like he's saying he's done at 10. And I don't know if 10 is the Star Trek movie or if he has something else original. I'll in believe his- the Star Trek thing when I see it. Yeah, I agree. Well, I also he- wonder when he says 10, if like his end run will be like, well, I'll just make things for Netflix. Those aren't really movies. Yeah, like, maybe. That's, you know what I mean? That yeah. I like- think he'll keep making them as long as he has a story he wants to tell. I, just, I think it's silly to put a number I want, on I it. I want yeah. uh, kill, kill Beatrice. I also that's see him being like tongue in cheek and being like, you know. The 11th movie in in the 10 film series of Tim yeah. yeah. kind of like, you know, Hitchhiker's Guide with uh, so long. And thanks for all the fish. Thanks was, for all the fish. Was yeah. like the fourth book in the trilogy. Right. Yeah. Like right. I could see him doing something like that. So he loves movies. He's never going to stop if there's a story to tell. That's silly to put a number on it. You know, what I mean, like he is not like I have this great story, but yeah. I already hit 10. No. Just oh, well, up. just 10 a. Yeah, yeah. right. Right. 10.1. So there you go. I guess that's it for this one. Uh, let's go around the table and everyone can say where to find them. This is Paul. You can find me on HarrisOnline.com and the Kevin Brackett designed HarrisChallenge.com <laughs> for your daily trivia. But go there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> this is Joe. You can also follow me on the Twitter at JoeyButts, B-U-T-T-S 21. This is Kevin. You can see my work on the Kevin Brackett designed Harris Challenge <laughs> trivia and uh, also follow me on Twitter at Kevin R. Brackett. And this is Tom. You can uh, follow my work at on the Kevin Brackett designed <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> At Roger Kubert or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. And if you uh, you want to chime in on your thoughts of, on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, please uh, do so at facebook.com slash real spoilers. Join the group. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Don't be afraid to tell Tommy's wrong. Yeah, I mean, no. go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you'll be wrong, but that's okay. 
then you can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash real spoiler. So uh, I don't know what we're doing next week. We've got uh, a couple Scary choices. stories to tell in the dark. Or Blinded by the Light is also coming out. Oh, the, no. The Bruce Springsteen yeah, one. So right. we will have to uh, have a huddle and decide that. So that's it for this one. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, the briefcase is entirely full of... Will you duck this need to know what I'm all about? Well, there's something that you dig you can't figure out. Well, now you wanna know what moves my soul and what tips inside of my brain. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.